Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Let's do a show. John Hinckley's out of jail. R. Kelly's in jail. Matt Gates' dad is calling in favors for Matt to avoid jail. And Trump is reminding Alan Weisselberg that uh, it'd be such a shame if anything ever happened to this nice, beautiful house. Meanwhile, Mike Pence apparently has given up on ever getting the votes of people who wanted to hang him. Elsewhere in Texas, uh, the Fort Worth School District removed copies of the Diary of Anne Frank from school. But please try to see it from both sides, because if Anne Frank were a living, pregnant teenage rape victim, they'd also force her to carry her rapist child. So it's more complex than you realize. Robert De Niro is 79 years old today. All night long, and I mean all night long, we're going to ask you to tell us when you call your five favorite Robert De Niro films or your five favorite Robert De Niro performances. It's pretty tough. I was trying to narrow it down to my top five. Um, so far, I've got Mean Streets, Godfather 2, Taxi Driver, Deer Hunter, Raging Bull, King of Comedy, The Mission, Brazil, Jackknife, that's in there, Midnight Run, Untouchables, Goodfellas, Awakenings, Cape Fear, Casino, Heat, Jackie Brown, Wag the Dog, Ronin, that made it there too, The Car... Chases are amazing. Silver Linings Playbook, Wizard of Lies, that's the HBO movie where he played Bernie Madoff, and The Irishman. That's my top five, as close as I could get. I didn't get an accurate count. What are yours? Also, we will be live with Stephanie Miller in Washington, D.C. at Sydney Harmon Hall, September 10th. Your midterm season on the East Coast kicks off with Stephanie Miller's sexy, liberal, saving democracy tour. It's the first time the original tour lineup of Stephanie Housebarks and myself have done a show in nine years. It's going to be a party. It's going to be just debauched. We want you there in the most moral and depraved way possible. That's uh, sexyliberal.com for tickets. A lot of special guests. We can only announce Glenn Kirshner so far, but he's pretty special. He's also hilarious. you got to hear this guy. His Chris Walken, shit, you'll be on the floor. It's great. Let's get on with it. We want to say hello to everyone listening live. You're always welcome to call us. And if you're one of our day walkers listening on the John Fugelsang podcast on demand, Sirius XM app, we thank you and love you as well. We really love getting your emails and your posts uh, on our Facebook page, letting us know what you guys think too. We'll read them out loud on the air. Let's begin with this. Uh, it's official. We can call it last night. The Republican Party is over. It is the MAGA party and should be referred to as such. I promise you folks in the weeks and months to come in this crazy midterm election, we're about to all endure together and we will get through it. We got through a lot of shit in the last five years. We'll get through this ugly midterm. Uh, I will try on this show to not use the outdated term Republican 
anymore. I will try to only use the phrase MAGA party because that is what it is. It's a cult of obedience. It's the tribe of comb over Caligula. It's not the party of Lincoln. <laughs> it's not even the party of Quayle. It's the tribe of cult of Trump. And this has come from the voters. 18 years ago, they rewarded Dick Cheney for his lies. Last night, they banished Liz Cheney for telling the truth. And Liz, the tribe, has spoken. For all the House Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump for shit he actually did, these primaries in 2022 have been, uh, I guess, a bloodbath is okay to say. Four of the Republicans decided they weren't even going to run again, like Kinzinger. Another four of the 10 lost their primaries. Only two of the 10 Republicans have made it to the November ballot. And, you know, I got to tell you, if you've been watching the news all day, you've been seeing these obituaries for the career of Liz Cheney and her bravery for standing up and uh, speaking truth to power in the face of a president's unlawful attempt to subvert democracy. Can I just say, um, we do that all the time here, and no one praises us. Chris Houselt, our producer, I just want to take a moment and really offer you uh, a, a tribute. Uh, you have opposed Donald Trump's crimes steadfastly, yes. and you have consistently called out his big lie for being a lie. You deserve so much credit for opposing his efforts to overturn democracy. Chris. Um, Thank you. You've, you've done, you know, uh, as, as much as Liz Cheney, I guess. Uh, well, no, you didn't. You didn't vote for Trump's agenda 93% of the time. You were like, what, a solid 62%, I think, supporting his agenda? You, you just like the family separation, I believe. Um, but congratulations, Chris. Guys, here's what you got to remember. Liz Cheney still wants to make abortion illegal. Liz Cheney wants to do a lot of good things for fossil fuel companies and a lot of bad things to environmentalists because she wants to ignore climate change. Liz Cheney does not want to help poor people. Liz Cheney is not concerned with food insecurity. She will do nothing about health care. She does not fight for Medicaid expansion. She is fine with setting back voting rights, and she thinks the Iraq war was just swell. Okay? That's, that's who we're talking about. Keep that in mind when you consider how much the right wing hates her. She won't lie about this election in 2020, so the modern GOP has punished her for insufficient evil. Here is Lady Liz in her concession speech last night promising her continued dedication to saving the republic from dissolution and lies. At the heart of the attack on January 6th is a willingness to embrace dangerous conspiracies that attack the very core premise of our nation, that lawful elections reviewed by the courts when necessary and certified by the states and electoral college determine who serves as president. If we do not condemn the conspiracies and the lies, if we do not hold those responsible to account, we will be excusing this conduct, and it will become a feature of all elections. America will never be the same. Today, as we meet here, there are Republican candidates for governor who deny the outcome of the 2020 election and who may refuse to certify future elections if they oppose the results. We have candidates for Secretary of State who may refuse to report the actual results of the popular vote in future elections. And we have candidates for Congress, including here in Wyoming, who refuse to acknowledge that Joe Biden won the 2020 election and suggest that states decertify their results. Our nation is barreling once again towards crisis, lawlessness, and violence. 
No American should support election deniers for any position of genuine responsibility where their refusal to follow the rule of law will corrupt our future. Everything she just said is true and I agree with, and that's the point it's come to. We are now heaping praise on Republicans just for saying two plus two is still four. The sky is still blue. That's how far to the right this party has gone. It was a rally that was started by Nixon, strengthened by Gingrich, and perfected by Trump. And she's trying to save that party. Keep this in mind. You know, Liz Cheney's doing a version of what John McCain did when he killed Obamacare repeal. John McCain didn't save Obamacare because he suddenly liked the bill. John McCain knew his party was trying to take health care away from millions of people and didn't have any sort of system ready that would cover those people. John McCain knew the Obamacare repeal would be doomed for his party. So he fell on the sword and did it. Liz Cheney is trying to save her party. And if she runs third party against Trump, she will be doing it not because she ever has a chance of winning the White House. She doesn't. She'll be doing it to save her party. Because there will be enough, we hope, Republicans of conscience that they would go for a principled conservative third party ticket, vote their conscience and deny Trump another term. And again, it looks more and more like Trump is going to run. We may, we just might have a chance to watch him lose the popular vote a third time. No one's ever done that. Um, And keep in mind for all these Republicans defending the former guy just today, just today. In the world of the many investigations that have ensnared his allies, it's, it's sort of like trying to watch that Avengers Infinity War movie because there's so many characters and like 25 plot lines. But just today, Rudy Giuliani, who's been told he's a target in the Fulton County DA's criminal investigation for his efforts to overturn the election, Rudy testified for six hours before a special grand jury down in Atlanta. And closer to home, Alan Weisselberg, longtime CFO of the Trump Organization, worked for Don's dad, Fred. They're now expecting him to plead guilty to all 15 felonies he just got charged with and and to testify against the company, not Trump himself, but to testify against the company that has paid him millions over the years. It's not going to get easier to be a Trump defender. And remember that when you're frustrated looking at Twitter or when your racist coworker is getting you down, when your neighbors just seem to be in a cult, just remember something. Remember how fervently they defended Bush. I mean, we'll get to that in a second. What, what, what is going to happen with Liz Cheney? Well, they're all saying she's going to start a super PAC to get lots and lots of wealthy Republican donors who don't like Trump, which would signal she's going to run in the GOP primaries in 24, just to give a voice, a real voice to anti-Trump Republicans. Nothing against the two or three who ran in 2020. Um, I mean, did you see her set last night? It looked like a presidential campaign announcement was going to happen, the set itself. And she said, as soon as she did it, she said, our work is far from over. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. So she said she's intent on keeping him out of the Oval Office. I would bet money she will run as a Republican. And when she loses, I will bet money that she will run as a third party candidate just to kill Trump because Liz Cheney is a true believer and she thinks in her heart and she may be right that it's going to take a generation of loss for this party to find its soul again. It might take longer than that. This party hasn't had its soul since the Civil Rights Act. But here's the thing. If you spend time on social media, uh, I hope you're okay. Hope you're taking care of yourself. Hope you remind yourself by the minute Twitter's not reality. 
I keep reading right-wing guys saying good riddance to warmonger Liz Cheney. All day, good riddance was trending. When I woke up, I was like, wow, 7 a.m. and good riddance said the Russian bots have been at it since 4. Good riddance at Liz Cheney, you backstabbing, warmongering establishment hack. Backstabbing, huh? Well, okay, she went, she went against Trump. She, she went for Trump for four years, but then wouldn't go along with his lie. So she's backstabbing for telling the truth. Warmongering. Well, that's interesting. Hmm. I saw that a number of times. Warmongering from right-wing guys. Now, what do you remember about right-wing guys from, oh, I don't know. Let's go back 19 years, 18 years. Let's go back to the glory days of what was called Operation Iraqi Freedom. Do you remember back then how it was when the right-wing guys would call you un-American or a terrorist if you opposed George Bush and Dick Cheney's illegal, stupid war in Iraq? We have the memory of the guy from the movie Memento in this country. As ugly as it is now, as much as Trump has divided us now, it was just as ugly back then. I was outside the Republican National Convention in 2004 with hundreds of thousands of protesters. <laughs> Right-wing guys, you can call Liz Cheney a traitor. She is a traitor if your loyalty is to Trump and not the Constitution and not the truth and not reality. And you, you can call her a liar. That's fine. She's lied plenty. She still defends the Iraq war. You can call her a party hack. I can't disagree. But you can't call her a warmonger. You can't call her a warmonger. Liberals, we can call her a warmonger because the North remembers. Uh, back in 2003, MSNBC was a channel that was trying to compete with Fox. They were very new and they were trying to be right wing like Fox Jr. Joe Scarborough was on there back then. He's been there for a long time. Uh, he said... In April of 03, these leftist stooges for anti-American causes are always given a free pass. Isn't it time to make them stand up and be counted for their views, which could hurt American troop morale? Michael Savage? Oh, yeah. MSNBC gave him a gig. He said, uh, we can stop some of these maniacs encouraging our enemies, weakening our troops. He wanted to arrest anti-war activists. Uh, Neil Cavuto. When the statue of Saddam Hussein fell in Baghdad, he said on the air to all those who opposed the liberation of Iraq, you were sickening then, you are sickening now. Right-wing guys called you un-American and terrorist-loving, and now they pretend they were against it. You know why they pretend they were against it? All these warmongers of the Zeros, all the Ots warriors who loved their little war in Iraq and hated Michael Moore for making a movie that told the truth about what a lie it all was, well, now they pretend they were against it. You know why? Because Trump pretends he was against it. Trump never spoke out against the war, not once. He lies and says he did. There's one clip of him on Howard Stern saying, we got to do this something about Saddam Hussein and take this guy out. Trump pretends he was against it. So now the public warmongers pretend they were against it. It's a cult. Cheney lost 66% to 29% to Harriet Hageman. She's a ranching industry attorney. She finished third in 2018 when she ran for governor in Wyoming. Liz Cheney said two years ago, I won this primary with 73% of the vote. I could easily have done the same again. The path was clear, but it would have required that I go along with President Trump's lie about the 2020 election. Liz is the fourth Republican to lose renomination among the 10 who voted. Dan Newhouse in Washington and David Valadao won their primaries. He's from California. So Liz Cheney said she called Harriet Hageman. She just got a voicemail, went to voicemail, left a clear and direct voicemail. That she left before she went on stage. She tried multiple times to get in touch with her. Cheney says she hasn't heard anything back. What a shock, because Harriet Hageman seems like a classy person who uh, really cares about justice. 
and really, really cares about good taste. Here she is, the woman who just never met an environmentalist she didn't hate, telling Fox News that Liz Cheney's participation in the January 6th committee, pretty simple. It's just not what her constituents wanted. And so she paid the price. It doesn't surprise me that she would revert to those same old talking points because that's really in large part what, her, what got her defeated. She's not focusing on Wyoming. She's not focusing on our issues. She's still focusing on an obsession about President Trump. And the citizens of Wyoming, the voters of Wyoming, sent a very loud message tonight. We have spoken, and that is not what we are interested in in terms of our lone congressional representative. Wyoming is entitled to have a representative that represents our interests, that listens to us, that addresses our issues. That isn't Liz Cheney. And the fact that that's where she went back to with her speech tonight, I think demonstrates that she really isn't listening to Wyoming now. She hasn't for quite some time. And that's why we needed to replace her. We need to have a representative in Wyoming who listens to us. And you know what? She's right. But what she's really saying is the voters in the Republican Party in Wyoming want a fucking liar who doesn't care about the truth, who will be blindly obedient to a reality TV show personality. And she's right. They don't like Liz Cheney. She did not represent them. It was right of them to get rid of her in a democracy. Now, you'll notice they're not crying foul here. No one's saying that this election was rigged. No Republicans are saying this was rigged whatsoever, because when an election goes the way Republicans like, it can't be rigged. Um, <laughs> and again, Liz Cheney, you know, I, I don't know, Liz, Cheney never let losing the popular vote stop them before, but she's not her dad. So I... I, I I was making some fun of Harriet Hageman. She looks like a great character in Kids in the Hall. And I had a guy tweet me earlier today saying, it's astounding that the liberal mindset cannot comprehend how bad the candidates they support must be for people like this to get elected. Smell you. Uh, first off, here's the deal. The liberal mindset did not vote for Harriet Hageman. Uh, there are some Democrats in the state who crossed over and voted for Liz Cheney to try to help her in the primary. But that's not the liberal choice. That's just the less fascist choice. Here's the deal. No one's talked about who Liz Cheney would be facing. No one today is talking about who Harriet Hageman will be facing. We just keep hearing that Liz Cheney lost. Like the whole election's done, the election hasn't happened yet. This was just the nomination. Liberals who do live in Wyoming, and there are some, they have a candidate now. They have an indigenous woman who's a single mom, who is the Democratic nominee for that state. And she supports abortion rights. And she supports LBGTQ rights. And she supports renewables. She supports gun rights. And she supports much stronger background checks. And she believes health care is a human right. Democrat Lynette Grable won the Democratic Party's nomination for Wyoming's U.S. House seat. She also won it in 2020 against Liz Cheney. And she ran against Liz Cheney and lost. And she said she's ready to fight for the seat again. She calls it a David and Goliath type of campaign. Uh, Ms. Graybull is northern Arapaho. She lives on the Wind River Reservation. And she wants to use the platform to just talk more to Wyoming residents about how important it is to their lives to invest in renewable energy. She said, I want to gear my campaign towards values, family values, values that concern humanity, values that concern the marginalized communities such as the indigenous community and the LGBTQ two-spirit community. It's important that voters in Wyoming have a choice, and it's important that we all know they have a choice. I have not heard Lynette Grable's name on any of the news stations that have been talking all about Liz Cheney's loss to Harriet Hageman. There's still a Democrat running 
And she has criticized Hageman's allyship with Donald Trump and their joint lie that the 2020 election was stolen. So please keep that in mind. You know, if you're in Wyoming, if you're looking to donate, there's Lynette Grable. She is better than both Liz Cheney and Harriet Hageman in every way. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Welcome back. Yesterday, we were playing clips of Joe Biden explaining that this bill is the biggest step forward on climate ever as he signed the Democrats and only the Democrats climate, health care and tax bill. Joe Biden said the Inflation Reduction Act does so many things that for so many years, so many of us have fought to make happen. There's three different recent analyses find the bill would lower emissions in the U.S. by 2030 to between 37 and 41 percent, 32 and 42 percent and 42 percent below 2000 five levels. It's very scaled back from the original Build Back Better ambitions, but it's an historic achievement. I mean, we've never seen anything like this for the environment in our lifetimes. And it's yet another in this nice little string of uh, White House wins. Barack Obama tweeted, this is a BFD. Jamal Rod, executive director of environmental group Evergreen Action, said decades from now, this will be remembered as a turning point in federal policy on climate change. This is the first real big bill. And he would know. Jamal Rod is co-founder and executive director for Evergreen. He has dedicated his life to fighting for progressive change on the inside, on Capitol Hill, and on many political campaigns across the country. He worked in, uh, in, for Senator Jeff Merkley in Oregon. He was most recently running communications for Washington State Governor Jay Inslee, who had an amazing grassroots campaign, arguably the most pro-climate agenda presidential campaign we've ever seen. It is a great pleasure to welcome Jamal Rod to the show. Hello. John, thanks so much for chatting with you. Thanks so much for being here. I, I really, my compliments to you for your work. Let me thank you on behalf of everyone who lives on this planet for how much care you've given to it. And uh, I'm really thrilled to talk with you about it. What, what are your initial thoughts beyond shock that they actually pulled off this much of what they pulled off? I mean, it is amazing what they got done with the bare majority we had in the U.S. Senate. 50-50 U.S. Senate with the 50th vote being literally a coal baron. Uh, that Joe Manchin and the fact that they got this bill done, which is historic climate action that will dramatically reduce carbon pollution 
and put America within striking distance of achieving our science-based climate targets and our international climate commitments. It's literally amazing. Look, this is not this is not a perfect bill. It's it literally is compromises with yep. a coal baron of a United Center United States Senator from West Virginia, but three hundred and seventy plus billion dollars investment into climate investment will dramatically lower the cost of wind and solar, will dramatically boost renewables in this country. It's a big deal. I, I think yeah. Uh President uh, President Obama called it a, a BFD, and it, and it is. Yeah, I mean, what do you make of the historic import of all the tax credits here for electric vehicles and for home energy efficiency measures? It really seems like there's a lot of science and civics mixed together in giving American people uh, a chance to save a lot of money if they take the time and initiative to learn how to do it. Look, this is going to save a lot of people a lot of money, but I, I just want to say to that today's historic achievement belongs to every voter, every activist, every leader in the climate movement who refused to take no for an answer and demanded bold action from Congress. Like this was not a done deal. Everyone thought this was dead a month ago. All of Uh, us. And the fact that this got done is surprising and against all odds. And I just think that people should feel really good about this milestone in America's fight against the climate crisis, but also know that our work has just begun. We have more work to do, but by this bill passing, the clean energy industry is going to be stronger. Our movement's going to be stronger and we're going to be stronger and more equipped for the fights ahead. And that's what I'm really excited about. I mean, I I want to talk about you know, the kind of reforms we're still wanting to see. But I, I just want to go a bit more into what's in this thing, because you mentioned yeah. $370 billion into initiatives yeah. to promote clean energy yeah. and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, we're just learning now about this existence of this extreme heat belt in our country from Texas to Illinois, where it's going to include St. Louis, Kansas City, Memphis, Tulsa, Chicago. And they, they're saying now that by the year 2053, this extreme heat belt is going to hit 125 degrees Fahrenheit at least one day a year in all these cities. So it seems like this is coming at not a moment too soon. I I have to ask, how surprised are you that Joe Manchin somehow came around on some things? Well, I think what you're speaking to is that climate change is no longer a chart or a graph or happening in some far off future. It's the smoke in our lungs in the Pacific Northwest, where we experience now a smoke season every summer with the wildfires. It is uh, the folks experiencing um, drought in California, in New Mexico, uh, that are experiencing uh, uh, floods in the Midwest. It there's in the last five years, I think that the extreme weather and climate change being connected to it has 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 connected with people um in a real way but and it has then risen in salience for democratic primary voters we've seen in 2020 the uh that climate change was up there with health care as That's a right. top issue for democratic primary voters we saw a new poll today in wisconsin wisconsin that, i was gonna uh, ask climate you change, about this yes yes the climate change is the number one concern of democratic voters in wisconsin wisconsin like that ahead is ahead of gun violence, ahead of abortion, ahead of public schools and, and coronavirus. Climate yes. is the number one issue in Wisconsin. 
Yeah. So like this is rising in salience with voters. They're seeing it with their own eyes. It's no longer some like vague abstract thing. But I also think that it's because of movement and activists, too, that have risen this in sales. You asked about the bill. So true. The bill is mostly clean energy tax credits that will lower the cost of wind and solar and renewables in the long term. It also has a green bank, which is not just a one time investment. It will capitalize a bank that will uh, do direct loans, that the money will come back to them. It, It will live in perpetuity investing in clean energy. There's a DOE loan guarantee. Uh, You know, there's, I don't know if you remember the whole people uh, arguing about Solyndra uh, 10 years ago, how awful it was. But you know what? That same program also funded Tesla, which is now created the most rich man in the world based off that federal investment. And so this- You're right. So to, to put it in perspective, the last biggest climate investment in American history was the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, which was the investment that the Stimulus Act that President Obama put in place in 2009. That put $90 billion into clean energy investment. This is 370. That's this is more than four times as much. And that investment alone lowered the cost of wind and solar dramatically. That's right. Revolutionized entire industries. And so I it's just hard to really explain how big of an investment this is because it's not only that initial investment but it's the private capital that is gonna that's right multiply off that and it's the idea that all the capital in the world can now plan on the federal government setting us a, a path forward that clean energy is our future I completely agree. I mean, it's going to help so many different corporations and help so many different organizations on the state and local level. And it's going to have a different impact in every single state, isn't it? Oh, totally. Look, every state that has a um, clean vehicle standards will make their standards much more easily to achieve. Every state that has a clean electricity standard can now up their ambition because the costs of renewables are going down. If you're the federal government, you have to do a cost benefit analysis of every executive action you take. All those more ambitious actions will now be cheaper because of how much cheaper wind and solar and renewables and clean energy will be because of this investment. Look, this investment is just one piece of the puzzle. We need to do more on justice. We need to do more to create standards to take to in the most polluting sectors of our economy. clean vehicles, clean electricity, um, clean buildings. But this investment will make all the work we need to do now much, uh, much more achievable. Well, let me, let me ask you, because I mean, every every activist does have things they wish had made it. And again, we're all very, very grateful. But I'm, I'm curious, in your case, what do you wish this bill had achieved that it didn't? Taking nothing away from the historic achievements of it, where are you going to be focusing your energy next in terms of legislative priorities? Look, as a progressive that wants the biggest, boldest bill as possible, I'm mad that the child care pieces were left out of the bill. I was yeah. mad that we didn't do more on health care. I was mad that that this this wasn't a huge transformative social care bill that had paid family leave. Yeah. And um, that that was that was frustrating to me on the climate pieces. I was mad that there wasn't a civilian climate corps that was a direct jobs program that right. would have put people to work in communities across America. I was mad there wasn't a clean electricity performance program that would have uh, 
been more of a stick for utilities to get fossil fuels off the grid quicker. I'm mad that that there was direct lease uh, fossil fuel leasing programs in this bill as a giveaway to Senator Manchin yep. that included fossil fuel sales in the Gulf of Mexico and off the coast yep. of Alaska. He that, got it in that, there. That, that, that sacrifices direct communities that 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 live there that and and that but we know that black brown indigenous communities bear the brunt of fossil fuel pollution they experience it first and worse and there are some provisions this bill that exacerbate it and we should acknowledge that we're right now also just about a month and a half after the west virginia versus epa supreme court ruling six to three where the court ruled that the epa overstepped their authority when they put out rules to cut power plants pollution Right now, it seems like the, the greatest fear we have on an environmental level is that the EPA has seemingly been rendered mute and toothless and unable to do anything to enforce policy beyond suggestions and write letters. What do you think is going to be the fallout from West Virginia versus the EPA? So, John, I will push back a little on that. There's please, a little I wanna, I, please. That, that that ruling gutted the, the Clean Air Act's authority to rain and pollution in the power sector. It took on one rule. And there was another piece where called the major questions doctrine. And I am not a lawyer there, there, but there was this piece that was like, well, we might question all of federal executive authority in some future, uh, you know, at some future moment, like anything that is not the direct consent of the legislature, we may take on in the future, which they kind of like warn people on. But it only took on one piece of the Clean Air Act. There is still a lot of authority that the EPA has to rein in pollution in the in the power sector under the clean air act and they need to do that now they also have the authority to take on clean vehicles we have that's new right. rules that need to come out on tailpipe standards post 2026 that's it and and because of this investment in electric vehicles in this bill we can go now further on those rules so we the federal government also needs to take on the willow project which could be the largest oil extraction uh, project on public lands that's now up for public comment right now in the in the uh in alaska in the arctic uh western uh petroleum reserve so mm -hmm. there's a lot of things the executive can still do and just because we we acted on the legislative end does not mean that uh president biden and executive action is off the hook we need to push them to do more well, I agree. And it seems like going into the fall, we're going to see in the lower courts, these Republican attorneys general trying to prevent the White House from factoring climate change into all their decisions about cutting pollutants from tailpipes. On the Supreme Court level, it seems like we're going to be looking at this challenge to the Clean Water Act that could make it even harder uh, for the law to reach where it wants to reach. And a lot of businesses have spent a lot of money to try to kneecap the Clean Water Act. Will these be the main playing fields that we'll be focused on in the months to come? Well, John, I get asked all the time, hey, should Biden do this? Uh, a future uh, Republican judge might overturn it. And like, well, if we are just going to decide to do only do things that a future, uh, you know, I was going to say uh, a, a rude word, but like some Federalist yeah. Society judge might overturn, then we're not, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to be hamstrung. We're just going to tie our hands behind our backs and not do anything. So. Yes. We need to operate within the power we have currently and understand that President Biden is nominating judges at a record level right now. So like, right. we can't let the idea that some future uh, 
dweeb Federalist Society judge is going to like overturn something we do right now. We need to use the executive authority we have currently. I completely agree. Um, let, let me ask you one more question. And that's about the landscape of electric vehicles. Uh, as someone who lives in New York City, um, as much as I love exhaust fumes, um, the auto industry has poured billions into EV and battery manufacturing facilities across North America in the past couple of years. Now, after what has passed this week, we're looking at the automakers and the battery makers potentially eligible for billions in loans and tax credits to offset the costs and, and spur more investments. And at the same time, consumers will get a tax credit to buy an electric vehicle or a fuel cell vehicle, new or used for like up to $7,000 if the vehicle was made in America. <laughs> what does this mean for the landscape of cars? And what does it mean for American manufacturing? I'm really getting excited about all these jobs that are actually designed to be created in America. And look, it's already happening. GM... Uh, due to tax breaks in Michigan, are building a $2.5 billion battery plant in Lansing, Michigan. You're seeing Ford invest billions of dollars. Uh, the pre-orders for the F-150 Lightning is that they, 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 they can't produce enough of them right now. I think that there's going to be a really, really interesting effect where there's a lot of demand right now, but there's a lot of people still can, very concerned about the infrastructure of electric vehicles. What do I do? Yeah, How sure. do I fuel it up? Like, what, uh, what, what, what do I do? And I think there's this lack of understanding. Like, you don't need to go to a gas station. Your gas station at your home is you can plug That's it right. in right at your house. And um, I think that once people see more of the infrastructure in their communities, uh, the bipartisan infrastructure law has billions of dollars in investment in electric, uh, uh, electric vehicle charging. That's You're right. going to start seeing that infrastructure around your communities. And I think that some people just need that reassurance that, oh, I will not like run out of power uh, exactly. in the in the middle of nowhere. And once people see the infrastructure, I think that it'll create this redounding effect of people buying more electric vehicles. And it's going to be this like healthy um, um, cycle. Um, but we're not there yet. I think there's a lot of fear around electric vehicles, but I, I think that's going to change very quickly. I, I, I don't think in 2030, 2035, I think it's going to be very rare to see a, um, a gas-powered vehicle on the road. You're right. Is Joe Biden the best president we've ever had when it comes to issues of climate change? Look, he constantly says, when I think of climate change, I mean jobs. And I think that there's something very real to that in that he oversaw the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act as vice president for President uh, Obama. He toured around the, the country looking at the investments and seeing the $90 billion of clean energy investments and how it transformed industries, created jobs. And when he won the nomination and had to build an uh, economic recovery agenda post-COVID, he centered clean energy investment in that. And I think that was very telling that that was something he did, um, that he put clean energy at the center of his economic recovery agenda. Look, yeah. I did not vote. I was not a supporter of President Biden in the primaries. I uh, support, uh, supported multiple other people, but like Same. he takes this issue seriously. Yeah. And 
the fact that he's prioritized this, the fact that this got done, you can't shortchange that for him, for Senator Schumer and other Democratic leaders that got this major historic investment over the finish line. It's really true. I tell everyone, just listen to any interview Joe Biden has given in the last 10 years on climate change. His enthusiasm, his passion, his grasp of the science, it's just not just inspiring, it's its deeply reassuring. And so is talking with you, Jamal. Uh, let me close by asking you, what are you most optimistic about now, going into the midterms, going into a post-IRA Act future? Well, you know, I'm I, as a someone that cares deeply about this country's future, I'm so excited that that the numbers are moving on the polls uh, nationally and locally. Um, we're seeing folks like John Fetterman fight against uh, rich politocrats and uh, criticize uh, their interest in crudités. And I think it's going <laughs> to win that race. I, I, I'm just so excited about the the momentum right now for a progressive change like the pact act the chips act the the in, uh, inflation reduction act not the infrastructure reduction act as you called it earlier and exactly. it's 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 an, it's so an infrastructure much. improvement act um and uh i just think the the momentum's on our side i think people are frustrated with dobbs and the republicans taking away the uh women women's reproductive health care. I think that they are um, that there's just more momentum towards progressive change. And then and the, this is an incredible opportunity for us to harness it and to push it in a way that's really positive. And on the clean energy side, this is so much money going to clean energy. The states and federal executive action can now go so much further because of this federal investment. And it's up to activists like me and everyone else that's listening in to push them to do that. And I'm really right excited on. about that. Jamal, it's such a pleasure to have you. Please come back anytime. We offer this platform to you anytime for any issues that you want to talk about. What is the best way for our Evil Army of the Night listeners to follow you and the work of Evergreen Action? We're at evergreenaction.com. I'm at Twitter at Jamal Rod, J-A-M-A-L-R-A-A-D. Please follow. Please follow Evergreen. We are pushing... President Biden and states across the country to go as aggressively as possible to defeat the climate crisis and create a more just, equitable economy run on clean energy. Thank you for all the work you do. What a pleasure. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are SiriusXM Progress. 
I want to play some audio of Mike Pence today really quick, and we're going to get to your calls. Thank you for being so patient on hold. Mike Pence went to New Hampshire today. I know. Try not to giggle. I, you know, I got a better one. You want to hear something funnier? You know who's going to New Hampshire? Tom Cotton. That's, that, that's just the definition of optimism right there, folks. Gosh darn it. Tom Cotton. Man, it looks like a constipated pencil. Going to New Hampshire. That, that, wow. Good luck. Uh, Mike Pence, who, like Tom Cotton, will never be president, he's really getting a little better, I think, at playing both sides of the party that wants to hang him. First, here Mike expressed dismay at the search warrant executed on the former president's residence in Mar-a-Lago. It's fairly well known that uh, President Trump and I have had our differences. (laughs) But after years during our administration that saw the politicization of the FBI, where during the tenure of Director Comey it was revealed that FBI agents were were, were pr- promoting political agendas in their official capacities. Uh, I was deeply troubled to learn that a search warrant had been executed at the personal residence of a former president of the United States. What, what, what? Wow, sounds MAGA. Sounds very MAGA. How hard are you trying, Mike Pence? Oh, don't worry. Here he comes around again, defending the FBI from abuse and physical attacks at the hands of the same Trump cultists who wanted to hang him. Our party stands with the men and women who serve on the thin blue line at the federal and state and local level. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. The truth of the matter is, we need to get to the bottom of what happened. We need to let the facts play out. But more than anything else, the American people need to be reassured in the integrity of our justice system and the very appearance of a recurrence of politics playing a role in decisions at the Justice Department demands transparency as never before. And I will continue to call on the Attorney General and the Justice Department to make that information available oh my to the American God, people and so do so sanctimonious. now. He just plays it safe all the time, except right here where he told the audience that he would actually consider speaking before the January 6th Commission if they asked him. I say... January 6th, get your subpoenas ready. This asshole needs to put up or shut up. Give a listen. Well, I would, if there was an invitation to participate, I would consider it. But you've heard me mention the Constitution a few times this morning. On the Constitution, we have three co-equal branches of government. And uh, any invitation to be directed to me, I would have to reflect on the, the unique role that I was serving in as vice president. Um, be unprecedented in history for a vice president to be summoned to testify on Capitol Hill. But I, as I said, I don't want to prejudge. If there's ever any formal invitation rendered to us, we'd get a due consideration. But my first obligation is to continue to uphold my oath, continue to uphold the framework of government enshrined in the Constitution that has created the greatest oh, God. nation no. in the world. We'll do that. 
his first obligation is to Mike Pence, and that's why he's in New Hampshire in the first place. Please you know, subpoena this guy. So put put his first off, Chris. It's not that unprecedented. We had a vice president go to Congress and testify after he was vice president while he was president. That would be Gerald Ford, former vice president, who went to testify about his pardon for Nixon. I think there's precedent here for this vice president to show up. But this is Mike Pence. He's all the hypocrisy. Twice, actually, he's twice the hypocrisy. Yeah, all the evil and none of the comedy value. He listening to him give that fifty-eight second ugh, sleaze fest. I feel oh, it's so disgusting. Fake. Uh, he reminds me of like when a guy in high school who couldn't get a date discovers like pickup artists and then like buys a book about like how to pick up women and then reads it and then it's like he's the guy at the party who's like just doing all this like really like sleazy kind of like well i understand you look you look like you got an old soul uh like you know what i mean he's just really sleaze baggy really sleazy i'm by the way i met a lot of those guys when i lived in southern california i know exactly what you mean like learning to dance or getting a sense of humor or i don't know asking women questions about themselves and listening to what they say that stuff's too hard so these misogynists go for the speed seduction where they neg women and try to make women have low enough self-esteem in a conversation that they can go in there and take advantage and exploit someone's insecurities because that's what punks do but also that whole answer, uh, I just listening to it now. That's a no. He's not. He would never do it. He would never, never. go before the J Six committee. Never. He doesn't have the manhood to do it. He doesn't have the love of country to do it. He will just say whatever he wants to say to still appeal to right wing people, but seem like the adult in the room. And he really thinks he's got a shot. First off, if you're running to be the not Trump clone Republican, if you're running to be the adult in the room, Liz Cheney's got you beat, bitch. Okay, Liz Cheney's showing up every day at the January 6th committee. You can show up, Mike Pence, but he won't because he's a coward who believes in nothing. Nothing. And if our media had any character whatsoever, they would stop automatically calling this guy a Christian just because he says he is. Jesus never drove the gay wedding cakes out of a temple. Mike Pence's Christianity is one that asks people to believe that Jesus hates the very same minorities that you hate. So I just can't wait to watch him run for president and see Donald Trump tear him to shreds for his obedience. He's got it coming. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite clear liners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius X in Progress. Ben in Texas, thanks for your patience. Hey, I appreciate it, John. Good evening. I, I want to apologize earlier. I was on the phone waiting, and since I'm on my second job, I accidentally hung up the phone while going up the stairs. No, you vindicated me. I told Chris there was a Ben in Texas, and no, Chris thought I was making you up. He said I was imagining you. He said it was because no, I, I stopped heard, taking, I I, look, I stopped taking the meds. I don't care. I stopped taking them, Chris, but I could have sworn I saw Ben in Texas on the screen. Okay, no, John, we a, believe you. Everything's fine. It was a glitch on your end. <laughs> okay. It was not. It was my mistake. But listen, real quick, I, I love listening to your show. I come to work every night with the right foot forward. And, right on. Uh, your show inspires me every time I go up the stairs to do my I'm job. I'm so honored. Thank uh, you. I pick up garbage. I pick up garbage for a living in the evening. So there you go. You're kidding me. Uh, You're doing the Lord's work. I'm so honored. Thank you for all you do for society and Jesus Christ. I'm not used to having good people listen to my show. Thank you. I used to be a garbage man. I'm, you were a garbage I'm man. I'm a service valet for, for years uh, for, a lux- for a luxury apartment. But listen, real oh, quick. Okay. I I think I think what we have. I think what we've all come to the conclusion is that we are on the wrong path, in my opinion. We've definitely let loose a uh, megalomaniac, and now we can't put him back in his cage. But what I, I wanted to touch, touch on real quick was I think all of these right French idiots have always been there. They just never had a platform to, to vouch for them. And yeah. came in this guy and basically turned them loose on everybody. You're right. So here we are. Now we got to deal with it, and hopefully we can convince enough people that uh, what they believe is the right thing for them to be voting for this guy and for everything that that party stands for, because you're absolutely right. The MAGA party is in full effect. It's no longer the Republican Party. It's not the Republican and Party every, anymore. Every American Republican president is turning in his grave right now listening to all shenanigans these guys are causing our country. I agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, but, you can barely, I mean, I, I can barely sleep over the sound of Eisenhower screaming from his crypt. I, you know, it's just, they're not conservative anymore. And I challenge any of our right-wing friends to tell me what conservatism means in 2022. You know, I want to say at one point there was that horrible word that nobody wanted to hear. Oh, God, he's a conservative. Good grief. You know what? I really wish there was an actual conservative that would step up other than Liz Cheney and yeah. Kinsinger and any yeah. of these other Republicans that are I don't even consider I don't even consider her to be I, you know what I don't even consider her to be a, a conservative I'm sorry like she voted with Trump 93 percent of the time you know I, I don't know how you can just keep on voting for these these deficit busting trickle down budgets where you just make the billionaires so much richer and make everyone else so much poorer and call yourself conservative what are they conserving it's just fiscal recklessness to me they're the radicals and we the liberals are the ones who are the ones who are truly conservative. The only presidents to reduce a deficit in the last 30 years are Clinton, Obama, and Biden. So, I, I, you know, I, I'm sorry. To me, the real conservatives are the liberals. Send, send that memo to uh, Fox News, will you? And, um, uh, sure. At the same time, yeah, uh, exactly. But at the same time, I wanted to touch on something real quick, and I'll let you take your, uh, your opinion on it. And Do you remember the carnage speech from 2017 yes. from an inaugural address? Yes. I was listening to it the other day. I don't know what prompted me to listen to it, but I was listening to it, and I was listening to everything he was saying, and I got the chills, John. Yeah. Because he was talking about crumbling infrastructure. He was talking about rotten politicians. He was Mm -hmm. talking about draining the swamp. He was talking about bringing jobs back with that farce. Remember that farce that he had in Wisconsin Foxconn with the shovel and and making it sound like he was going to bring 13,000 jobs, which ultimately equated to like only... 1,600 jobs, 1,687 jobs, and all the Indeed. tax credit that company brought on board? Yes. Okay. That, remember remember how he was saying he was going to give our freedoms back to the people 
Yes. When all he did was tilt the highest court in the nation into the laps of conservatives. You well, let's be fair. He also he also he also raided our Pentagon budget to build a racist wall. The majority of citizens didn't want. So give him credit where it's due, well, please. No, sir, because you're wrong. The whole idea was Mexico was going to pay for it. And oh, I know. Oh no, I'm, I'm, that was three lies ago. I mean, then it came into we're going to pay for it because we're the suckers. We the people who actually pay taxes from this guy who ran boasting about how he never paid taxes. So in a oh, country Lord. where military families in many states do need SNAP benefits and food stamps to survive, Donald Trump took money away from them, built his racist, mm-hmm. ineffective wall that the majority of us voted against twice. You know, they're still building kilometers of that thing silently, but they're still building them. Yeah, boy, it's a good thing that shovels don't exist, huh? Yeah. I mean, I saw yeah. the video of the two teenage girls who climbed that thing in 18 seconds. You know, that's what Republicans do. They get white people scared. So we will spend taxpayer money to buy shit we don't need. That is the entire military industrial complex budget that Eisenhower warned us about so eloquently many years ago. Long story short, I I appreciate your time for having me on board just to touch on these points. But I thought it was very chilling that everything this megalomaniac talked about in 2017 is exactly the shit that he caused and he unleashed in the next four years after his presidency was inaugurated. Hey, let's because let's he be didn't, serious. He didn't. That megalomaniac is a megalomaniac. <laughs> hey, I love it. I You're love right, it. Ben. I'm gonna go online. Ben, thank you. I'm going to go online and, and look up a, uh, a company that will print out some stickers for me and then start <laughs> saying, uh, hey, anybody wants to buy these stickers? Megalomaniac on board. Uh, thank you. I'll probably be selling that merch at my next show. Ben, it's an honor to have you call. Call up anytime. It's great to hear from you. Thank you so much. Where in Texas are you, sir? In Houston, Texas, sir. Your home is always here. Right on. I love Houston. Hottest place I ever went to, but a beautiful town. 